Good morning and welcome to Cross Point Christian Church. We are glad that you're here. Today's message is entitled, God's Chisel. What do you use a chisel for? Well, you take out the chisel, but you need a hammer to shape. And what is God doing with the chisel? He is molding us and He is shaping us after His will. Uh, it's not always painless, but it is always necessary. We're going to look at a thundering character who gives way to a very loving disciple. I, I don't want to sound disrespectful to Jesus, but have you ever wondered why he would choose John to be one of the disciples? One of the chosen ones? Look up here at Mark chapter uh, 3 and verse 16 with me. Let's look into this man's life, this man's character. And he'd been spending some time with Jesus for a while. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. Remember how Jesus often will change a name? James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, that's John the Apostle, that's the guy we're going to talk about today, to which uh, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Boanerges, what, what does that word mean? Look up here. It means violent. It means anger. It, it carries with it the idea of rage. That was John after spending a number of years with Jesus. Still, a violent, angry, rageful person. And, and what's he all mad about? Well, take a look at the next verse. Luke 9, 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven. Who's the him? That's Jesus. Where does he got to go to be taken up? Jerusalem. They're on their way there. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. You know, you need hotel reservations, you need, you know, food, shelter, all that stuff. So they go to a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Makes sense. But the people there, what people there? The Samaritan people there. Did not welcome him. Why? Because he was headed for Jerusalem. Who are these Samaritans? What is a Samaritan? First time I heard that story, I thought, well, aren't they good? I heard a story about a good Samaritan. You know, the Bible never calls him good. We call him good because why? The Samaritan did a good thing. But the Samaritans historically and the Jewish people did not get along. There was a long-standing feud between Jews and Samaritans. It goes all the way back to the days of Zerubbabel. Uh, the children of Israel are now coming out of captivity. Cyrus the Great says you can go back home. You can rebuild your city, Jerusalem. You can uh, rebuild your temple. You can restore your worship. You can build your houses. And eventually through Nehemiah, they built a wall. But when it came time to build the temple, the Samaritans were excluded from helping. Why? Because God says, keep yourselves pure, don't intermarry with the Gentiles because it will lead you astray and cause you oftentimes to go off and worship their gods rather than them worship our gods. And while they were in captivity, guess what some of the Jews did? They intermarried. 
And when they came back, they showed up to work on the temple. And the high priest, no, 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 no. You did not obey God. You don't get a hand in building the temple. And they got so mad and so hacked off over that, they said, fine, we'll go build our own temple. And guess where they went? Mount Gerizim. Remember the story of the woman at the well? She was a Samaritan. And Jesus has an encounter with her and asks for a drink of water. And she says, what are you asking me for a drink for? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And he goes, well, if you knew who I was, I'd give you living water. Starts telling her all about her life. And she goes, "Woo! I perceive you're a prophet. Ah, I've always wanted to ask a prophet a question. Um, you Jews say Jerusalem's the place to worship. We say Mount Gerizim's the place to worship. Who's right? And Jesus says, let me tell you something. There's a time coming and now is when neither in Gerizim or Jerusalem will people come to worship me. For God's a spirit and those who worship him will worship him where? In spirit and in truth. God cannot be confined to a church building, to a temple, to a box. He's a spirit. These Samaritans worshipped Gerizim. Jews, Jerusalem. Under the old law, that's where you're required to go three times a year. They're on their way to Passover. And the Samaritans say, no way, you ain't staying here. That's the story behind this story. Next verse. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, what'd they see? Their Savior, their King, their Messiah being rejected by a bunch of redneck Samaritans, half-breeds. See, see, how, see where they're coming from? Do you understand the context in John's mind? Doesn't make it right. I'm just trying to get you to see the context. Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Yeah, that's a good idea. Boy, James, or John, all on his own, thinks up this great idea. Yeah, fire from heaven. What a horrible way to die, being burned up on the whole village. Men, women, and children. What a godly heart John has, right? Now, he's being protective of Jesus. See, I think John has mercy gifts. Oftentimes, people with mercy gifts who love people and don't want to see people hurting that they're really, really close to tend to misuse their gifts and lash out and go way overboard. You know? Uh, That mama bear instinct, you're not going to do that to my kid. And then they overdo it. That's John. John is filled with rage. He's filled with anger. He is a son of thunder. Can you relate to this? Have you ever been that kind of angry? I mean, just total rage. I mean, all right. You're on your way to church. And uh, you're obeying all the laws, but some moron out of the blue who's in a hurry races out in front of you, and they turn right in front of you, and you've got to hit your brakes as hard as you can to protect you and your family from getting in a car accident, and they're on and you're honking your horn, and then they're raising one finger and showing what their IQ is like, and, and you, next thing you know, you've lost it. Your head is out the window, and you're yelling all kinds of blankety-blank obscenity cuss words, 
And to make it all worse, your four-year-old is in the back seat saying, Daddy, what do those words mean? Do you see the picture? Do you see the rage? Do you see the anger? Have you been there? Have you done that? Have you been a Boanerges? That's John right now. That's the rage he is feeling. And Jesus says, John, come on, man. You can't go around vaporizing people just because they don't do what you want them to do. Just because you don't like something, you can't just wipe people off the face of the map. We'll just go to another village. It's just that simple. And John, by the way, you're not going to the next village with us. You're off the bus. You're off the team. I can't, I can't work with you anymore. You got too much of a temper. Too much rage in you. Can't do anything with you. You're off the team. Is that what Jesus does? No. Jesus rebukes him. He corrects him. But he keeps him on the team. Have you ever blown it? Yeah. Does Jesus kick you off the team? No. He keeps you on the team. Yes, there's the speaking the truth in love. There is the the rebuke and the getting you back on board and explaining why we can't act the way we act and do the things that we sometimes do. And we go, oh yeah, I get it now. Okay, yeah, I can't vaporize everybody. I mean, there wouldn't be anybody left if I was in charge and kept on doing that. Yeah, I get it now, Lord. Okay. (laughs) And you get corrected, but you're on the team. Jesus, okay, I can work with you. This son of thunder needed some working with. And you know what this son of thunder's name was eventually changed to and what he was known as? The disciple of love. Did you know that? The son of thunder becomes the disciple of love. Now that did not happen overnight. Some of you are thinking, oh, I want to get rid of my rage. Oh, I want to get rid of my sins. Oh, I want to do everything right. Yeah, I do too. I hear your heart. I hear your willingness. God can work with you. But it's going to take a while. To go from here to here. It's a process known as sanctification. See, um, changing lives is Jesus' business. And here's where he starts. He starts by getting you in Christ. See, when you're in Christ, all of your sins are cast away. As far as the east is from the west, they're completely gone. And on the inside, instantly you look just like Jesus. But on the outside, you're still you. With all the hurts, all the habits, and the hang-ups, and the character flaws, and uh, the imperfect marriages. You saw that video that we showed just a few moments ago. But that same resurrection power that was in Jesus that that young lady believed in took a chance that Jesus could change her marriage and her life. And you saw the restoration there in that cool video. You're going to be glad that you're going on this retreat. And if you haven't, boy, you really need to make every effort to do so. But it starts on the inside. The Bible calls it a new creation. And it happened instantly when you were born again. So, let's talk about this twofold process real quickly. 
The first part of the process is called justification. It's more than just as if I've never sinned, but that works for me for right now, okay? Theologians would say that's a whole lot more than that, but that's enough. That worked for me when I was like 12 years old. I said, I don't know what the word justification means. What's it mean? My preacher said, well, it's, Bruce, it's just as if you've never sinned. Okay, that's good enough. That happened instantly with me. And I just accepted it by faith. I didn't feel any different. I didn't really look any different. I still had a lot of stuff that I did as a 12-year-old that wasn't all that great that we won't go into at this time. But a sanctification process began. Justification was painless. It was just receiving forgiveness from God. Didn't cost me anything. It was free. And about the only thing you can do with a free gift is receive it. And so I did. And instantly I was just as pure and as holy as God was holy. Now I know... Some of you are hearing that, and you're going, I hear the words, but it's really hard to believe. Me? Just as pure and as holy as God is holy? Yeah. How can that be? Well, a little thing called the cross. His blood shed on my behalf. See, God cannot fellowship anything other than perfection. And so what does he have to do for you on the inside? Make you perfect. Now, the other end of the spectrum is a thing called sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. Okay, over here say justification. Painless. Free. Sanctification. Say it again. Painful. Needful. Eh, Not so... Hardy on that one, are you? <laughs> but the two go together. See, uh, how many of you on the outside look like Jesus? I don't. But how many on the inside look like Jesus? I do. See, that's the difference. Justification, just as if I've never sinned. I'm in Christ. We're going to talk about how you get into Christ today. And then sanctification, that takes a while. That's a journey that we all need. It takes a lifetime. Now, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 5. Let's look at this. Uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Brand new on the inside. That happened to me when I was born again. The new has come. All, all this is from God. See, I didn't earn it. I didn't pay for it. God did all the work who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled us, now he gave us a ministry. Once we're reconciled, what's our job? See, see, when I came to know the Lord, my preacher said, Bruce, I, I, I want you to go tell everybody what you did this week. Tell them that you're a believer. Tell them that you're a Christian. God wants to use you so other people can be re- reconciled to him. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed, um, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So what's our job? 
Our job is to share the good news that we received in Him. Now, the next part of that verse. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, if God were here shouting it, that's what He'd be saying. If you weren't reconciled, God would be here saying, be reconciled to me. But God says, you're now my mouthpiece. You're now my spokesperson. So go out there and say that. God made him, him who? Jesus. Who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, on the outside we don't look like it. But on the inside God says, We are like it. So what does it look like? Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ this morning? If you're walking around like Eeyore in a cloud over your head and constantly feeling condemned, oh, I hope I'm saved, I hope I'm going to heaven, you're not living the reconciled life. And kind of what you're doing is... Saying, Jesus, yeah, you can save others. You just can't save me because you don't really know me, Jesus. And what an insult that is to Jesus. Are you getting this? When you feel guilty, when He's reconciled you to God, you are insulting my Savior. Would you stop doing that, church? Would you stop that? Would you just receive what Jesus said you received? You say, I know, but I don't look like it on the outside. That's sanctification. I'm talking about justification. Do you see the difference? Sanctification just means you've been set apart, and it takes a while before you look like Jesus. But you're still set apart. You're mine. I'm His. You're in the family. You've been reconciled. Yes, you make it to heaven. Even though on the outside we sometimes look like jerks. Because God did it. Isn't that an amazing grace? Aren't you glad that Newton wrote amazing grace? You know, some people may need more than others. And that may be you this morning. Boy, I need a whole lot of it. Well, okay. Accept it. Receive it. It's about the only thing you can do with a gift. I don't know if you're up with the, if you ever read any of the Chronicles of Narnia. And you know the character Peter. Does that ring a bell to you in this book? Well, Peter lived in Narnia. And while he was in Narnia, guess what he was? A king. But now he's back, you know, in a subway in England. He's not a king, but he's now with that ego of a king and the memories of being a king in Narnia. And as he's walking through the subway station, somebody, you know, accidentally bumps into him. And he thinks, hey, I want you to apologize to me. See, because he thinks he's still what? A king. And a king needs to be respected. Well, you know how well that went over. A big fight takes place. And there's this knockdown, drag out fight. He chooses to fight rather than walk away because in his mind he still thinks he's a king. And that may be true in his mind, but when you're back in a subway station in England, it's not true. Now let's apply that to us. In Christ, I am a prince and I am more than a conqueror. But in the flesh, 
I'm still being reconciled until he returns. And so with humility, I accept my role as a child of the king. I am a prince. You're a princess if you're a woman. But it's in Christ. In the flesh, you have a long way to go to look like a prince or a princess. Are you getting this? Is this making sense? Okay. I'm accounted righteous on the inside, and I'm being sanctified daily on the outside. Colossians, Paul puts it like this. Long verse. Hang in there with me, and then we'll get to the video I promised. Colossians 3.1 Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, that's what a... That's what a purified heart does. It starts thinking about heaven. And so on the outside, just start doing what's on the inside of you. Think about heavenly things, not earthly things. Verse 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Oh, aren't you looking forward to that day? Then you also will appear with Him in glory. All that sanctification stuff has come to an end and you look like Him and you're in glory. Put no, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, <clears throat> which is idolatry. Put that junk away. Put that off. Take that clothing off. You don't want that clothing. You want the clothing of Christ. Uh, verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. But that's for the world. That's not for you. You used to walk in these ways and in the, in the life you once lived, <clears throat> but now you must rid yourself of all such things. Look, on the inside, you're reconciled to me. You're justified to me. Now, here's how I want you to walk. Let's start working on this sanctification thing. Anger, rage. John's been with Jesus like three and a half years w- walking with Christ. And what does he still have in him? Anger and rage. Are you getting this? It may take a while. And he walked with Jesus. We're walking with Jesus every time we get into this book and when we read this book and when we get into this word. And I am so grateful to hear that Robert had a Bible club full of people. <clears throat> they read it all the way through and he's encouraging others to join them and do it again this year. Get into the word. It will help you with your anger and your rage and your malice and your slander and your filthy language. Get rid of that stuff from your lips. Do not lie to each other. It's the ninth commandment, by the way. Since you have taken off your old self, you take off something. What is it? The old self with its practices and have put on something. You're taking off something, the old self, and you're putting on something. What? The new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now, you're not there yet. I'm not there yet. On the outside, I'm not there yet. On the inside, I'm there yet. I am already there. But on the outside, I don't look like it, but that's the direction I'm going. Verse 12, therefore, he's wrapping it all up. What what, what just went before, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Long verse, but what's it say? Take off the old stuff, put on the new stuff. And I will help you all the way through.
So, the longer we live in Christ, the more we should look like Christ. Because that's the direction we're going. Now, it can be challenging, and it can be painful. And we all have a long way to go. From a biblical perspective, God has a role in this process. But we have a role in this process. Some people want God to do it all. Other people want to do it all themselves. And God says, here's how it works. We partner together in this sanctification thing. I'll take care of the justification, but we'll partner together. I will help you with this sanctification thing. Philippians 2 verse 12. Watch this. Therefore, my dear brothers, (coughs) as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Notice the word your. And we're so worried about working out other people's salvation. Trying to work on that. We're going to help you get it on right, you know. (laughs) Hey, worry about your own here. Work out your salvation, not somebody else's. And that just simply means take personal responsibility for yourself and your own growth. With fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Now, some of you are reading this and you're thinking, oh, Bruce, you're just kind of taking away everything that you just told me and you just read. Are you some of you feeling that right now? Like, I've got to work this out. Uh-uh. You're misunderstanding the verse. Okay? Let me help you with this verse. It doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. There's a big, big difference there. Who is he writing to in Philippi? Christians. He's telling Christians to work out your salvation. What he's saying is, you're already Christians. You're already saved, but there's something you need to work out. So what do we know he's talking about? The sanctification part. Does that now make sense again? Do I got you back? Do I got you go, boy, I thought it was back on me. Okay, so I'm trying to help you. And it's good stuff. But I want you to get the idea that God's partnering with you in the sanctification thing. It's not all you. It's not all Him. It's a partnership. You're praying daily. God, would you give me the will and the power to do the things that you want me to do? And give me the will and the power to put off all those things that you don't want me to do. That's what he's talking about here. With fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His purpose. In other words, what he's saying is, we work out what He is working in. He's saying, develop the faith you already have. In other words, um, you don't work out to get a body, do you? You work out to develop the body you already have. Is that making sense? See some heads nodding. Oh, yeah. this verse used to scare me, but now this verse is not so scary anymore. I'm going to go home and read this again today. And that's good. And so let me say it one more time. I don't go to the gym to get a body. I go to the gym to work out the body I already have. Is that making sense? That's a good thing. Now, Ephesians 2.10. We're almost to that video I told you about. 
It says, for we are God's workmanship. It just is another way of the Bible saying, you're my masterpiece. On the inside, you're already complete. On the outside, we're still, we got some work to do. We got some chiseling to do. And we both have a role in this. And the role is to cooperate with one another. Now, a number of years ago, I showed you this video, but not exactly this video. They've updated it. And so I want you to see the updated version with me, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it, and then we'll conclude. You are God's original masterpiece. And God has a unique plan for every single one of you here today. God wants to partner with you. Would you cooperate with His plan for your life? You say, Bruce, I still have character flaws, but Jesus can change you. But Bruce, I still struggle with sin every single day, but Jesus can forgive you. But Bruce, I I feel less inadequate to be a disciple. Jesus can transform you. You know why? Because that's the sort of Savior that Jesus is. He's the one who takes you who are unworthy and uses you to become incredibly effective. No matter who you are. If you don't believe me, ask John. That's who we just talked about today. Boanerges, the disciple of love. If you're not in Christ, you can start today. How do I get in Christ? Look at the verse, Galatians 3.27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have what? Put on Christ. You could do that today, this very day. Just like you put on a jacket this morning, some of you that were cold, not me, but some of you that run cold, you put on a jacket, put Jesus on today in baptism, and you can be all tied up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, a joy bus song we used to sing a long time ago. Let's pray about it right now. You know, sanctification is the process of cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's, it's not always easy, it's not always fun, but it is always necessary for pleasing God and it's necessary for growth. Are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit? If not, what are you holding back on? What are those areas of life that you're holding on to? Would you release that area and give it to God today? See, we say this all the time. And the video said it so well. God loves you just the way that you are, but He loves you too much to let you stay that way. And so, Heavenly Father, if you can change a hot-tempered guy like John, then we believe that you can change us too. Help us to cooperate with your plan. Help us to work out what you're working in. Thank you for making us a masterpiece. If you've never made this decision to follow Jesus, would you do it today? And Lord, we pray that anyone that needs to make that decision will do so. In the name of Jesus, amen.